Welcome to the One Degree Shift Podcast, where we learn the little changes that future-proof some of our favorite companies and teams. Here's your host, Eric Termundi. Dr. Wayne Baker, thank you so much for joining the One Degree Shift Podcast. How are you today? I'm doing very well, and it's a pleasure to be here. You know, I'm, I'm so happy that our paths crossed. The work that you're doing and the book that you've just released is, is incredible, and I believe one that will change the world. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got to the book? Maybe a little bit about what the book is about and, and perhaps what you're most excited about right now? Yeah, the book is called All You Have to Do is Ask, and it's based on an insight that I can trace back many years to the time when Cheryl Baker and I created the Reciprocity Ring. Reciprocity Ring is a uh, group level activity in which people uh, give and get help from one another. It really taps the whole collective wisdom, knowledge, and, and networks of a group. And when we created this activity and started using it, I thought the problem or the hurdle would be getting people to help, to be generous. Right. And what I quickly found is that that was rarely, if ever the case, it was really quite amazing and what I discovered, to my surprise, was getting people to ask for what they need. That was a real barrier. And I came to see over time, there's been over 100,000 people who have now done this exercise all around the world, and I've seen it everywhere, is that many people struggle with asking, but asking turns out to be the key to giving. Is oh, that interesting. You, no one can give unless they know what you need. So why is it that it's so hard to ask? Well, there are at least eight reasons why that is so, and I can mention just a couple. Sure. One is that we sometimes over-rely on self-reliance, that we just feel that we've got to do it all ourselves. Another is that we fear that we'll be perceived to be uh, incompetent or ignorant or that we can't do our jobs. And that's interesting. There's some research that has come out by a team at Harvard and Wharton that said the opposite is true, that when you make a request, as long as it's a good request or a, mm -hmm. a, a smart request, uh, people will think you're more competent, not less. Another reason is that people don't ask is that they think no one is willing or able to help them. And we way underestimate other people's willingness to help. So those are some of the barriers that get in the way. And part of what I've done in the book is to address those barriers, to talk about what we know from research and experience, and to help people get past that, to realize that asking is just as important as giving. So, okay, I'm fascinated about this. And let's run a hypothetical situation. Um, I'm sitting in one of your workshops, and, and you, you've laid something out very clearly. I, I look around, the person to my left, the person to my right are both nodding, and they get it. And, and I'm just not quite there. And, and I think that the question that I'm going to ask isn't a smart one. Now, when you're referring to the Wharton and Harvard research, when I ask a smart and intelligent question, it turns out that there's, there's some really positive results that come from that. How do I know that the question that I'm asking warrants a positive response from you or from whoever it is that I'm asking the question to? A well-formulated request follows five criteria, what we call smart criteria. The S is specific, asking for something specific. Sometimes people th think just the opposite, that making a general request sure, will get sure. more help. But that's not true. A specific request triggers what people know and who they know. Those are the two ways they can help. The M is for meaningful, to explain why the request is meaningful, why it's important. Uh, could be why it's important to your organization or to the project you're trying to accomplish. The, it has to be actionable. It asks for something real. And it has to be time-bound. So mm -hmm. if your request meets those five criteria, quite likely it will be a good request to make. 
Okay. So I'm curious then, what is the one degree shift I can make then to perhaps get the courage to ask more and better questions? Yeah, I think there's a, a couple things that you can do. Uh, one is to to go through a, a quick exercise saying, okay, what is a current challenge that I'm working on and where can I use some help? Right. Do I need information? Do I need advice? Do I need a connection? Do I need a referral? Or you can say, you know, what's my current project, an assignment that I'm working on, something I'm struggling with, almost like completing a sentence is that, mm-hmm. you know, I'm working on X and I'm struggling to do Y and mm-hmm. what I need is Z. If you tie it to what you're trying to accomplish, the goals you're trying to accomplish, that's a good way of seeing through to the request that you ought to make. And it's right. always make a distinction between a goal and a request. Uh, a goal is a destination. A request is something that moves you in the direction of attaining that that particular goal. Uh, very interesting. Very interesting. So in, in the research that you did leading up to the book and the interviews and the discovery process, what was it that surprised you most in, in, in finding out what, what you found out? Well, what I found is that if you ask for something that you truly need and you don't prejudge the capabilities of the group and you follow those five smart criteria, incredible things can happen. So I have a story in the book about how it actually saved the little girl's life because her aunt was willing to ask for the life-saving surgery that she needed. This sounds astounding, but hundreds of thousands of dollars, or even one case of a a South American manufacturer who has used some of these techniques that they said in a session that lasted about half a day, that they they feel that they made revenue or would make revenue or save money to the tune of $10 million. Wow. And so I've just seen amazing things, miracle after miracle, if people ask for what they need, and they ask in a context where people are willing to help them. Here's where my mind's going. My mind's going, again, in a hypothetical situation, because I know that some of our listeners are in sales. When I'm in sales and I need to make my quota or I've got my, my benchmark that I have to hit for the end of the month, how is it that asking better questions will allow me to do my job more effectively when perhaps I don't have fear or resistance to be you know, making that cold call or asking those questions in the first place? What, what are some strategies or techniques I could use to, to not only ask questions, but perhaps ask better questions? Well, I guess it, it comes back to what your intention is. You know, if you're in sales, you're supposed to make sales and you're judged by, the, you know, by your sales performance. That's just part of the reality. Mm-hmm. I think to genuinely meet the needs of a customer or a client uh, requires empathy, requires the ability to put yourself in the other person's shoes and to see how what you request, which is really making the sale, how they can really benefit the person, help them solve a problem. Even to the point of like interviewing people about what their challenges are, what their needs are and helping them. You almost sometimes can just reverse the whole equation and say, you know, I'm, this isn't about selling. This is about, offering to help you with whatever you're working on. And that includes sending you to a competitor who might have a better product. Mm-hmm. Now, I think most salespeople would hear that and they would just be horrified by that advice. But if you think about it, that's what it means to really take the client's best interest uh, to heart and to help them meet whatever that might be. I have an example of a, uh, of a banker in Chicago who had this, had this change. She had this one degree shift and she stopped thinking of, somebody sitting across her desk as a loan to be made, but rather as a human being who had real needs and wants and desires. And she would interview that person, figure out what they needed, 
and help them even if it had nothing to do with a loan. She might say, you know, you don't need a loan. What you need is mm -hmm. this, or I could connect you to my a competitor down the street. They can give you a better, a better rate or a better deal given your particular requirements. She even started the practice of sharing uh, cabs with strangers in downtown Chicago during the workday when she was going from one place to another and striking up a conversation and listening to what their needs might, might be in a way, helping them to ask for what they might, uh, what they might need. And what she discovered in this process, and the result was is that she became the most productive and wealthiest loan officer at her bank. And you might wonder why would that be the case? Well, the I reason was is that she had helped so many people in a generous and an unselfish way that it all came back to her 10 times over. All those people would refer their friends and colleagues and neighbors to her when they needed a loan. Mm -hmm. So it was a shift of perspective. It was that one degree shift that made a huge difference down the road. So what I'm finding is that making these one degree shifts requires creating time and space to sort of declutter or remove distractions. In this process for you, and it sounds like for this, this banker in Chicago as well, first, we have to slow down and take the time to sort of analyze the environment and the situation around us to be able to come up with these realizations. Is there, is there anything that comes up for you when asking questions and even asking the right questions and in, in creating time and space to slow down, to better analyze what it is that we're looking for first? I think there's a, a number of angles on that. One is to slow down and figure out what are your goals? What are you really trying to achieve? You could, for example, create a vision statement of the future that you want to live into and then back from that what some goals might be, and then what some requests so that you know the path that you're going to be on. Uh, sometimes that takes slowing down, as you say, and to really reflect on one's goals or one's positive vision of the future. Uh, but another way is to try small experiments. So I said that the key to giving is asking, and mm -hmm. that most people are willing to give and very reluctant to ask. And so the small experiment could be making a safe request, either at work or at home, for something that you need maybe even start with something small as long as it's real and that it's meaningful and to learn by experimentation. Mm -hmm. um, so it could be, uh, you know, doing that in a, in a work setting of, you know, when they're, in fact, I give you a very good example. I just learned about the other day, I was talking to an economist who had worked for a number of years in a economic consulting firm. And I was telling him about the theme of my book about that. It's all you have to do is ask. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, when I worked at that firm, the partners, they told us when we came in, they said, if you work for more than 20 minutes on a problem and you're stuck, I want you to get up and go ask for help. That don't keep beating your head against the wall, trying to solve a problem. No matter how smart you are, there's a whole office full of really smart people here sure. and collectively we can help you solve that problem. Ideal would be another example where designers, if they run into an issue or problem, something they don't know, they're not supposed to keep, you know, just kind of trying to charge through it, but rather they're supposed to call um, an impromptu huddle and get other designers together and ask for help, ask for advice, ask for suggestions, for ideas, and so forth. And some of those things just take the doing. Mm -hmm. It's another thing that I stress in the book that it's really about doing differently to learn differently. Sometimes uh, I have a bunch of exercises and sometimes people would say, they come up to me and they say, no, I don't think this is going to work. That reciprocity ring is not going to work or this stand up is not going to work. And what I say is that, you know, it's really not 
it's not about your belief. It's really about the doing. Are you willing <laughs> right. just to just do it? And they find that when they do it and they see the results, then they start changing their attitude about it. And they see that it's not only okay to ask, it's an essential part of the giving and receiving process. So to ask questions, let's go, let's go back to the workplace. IDEO, it fascinates me, obviously. I'm a big fan of, of the company and the work that they do. What also comes up for me, though, is this idea of psychological safety, of a sense of belonging versus fitting in, and a sense of trust as well. Do you have any tips then to create that psychological safety within an organization to then enable that ability to ask questions without fear of repercussion or without fear of being looked down on for asking or, or being stuck? Yeah, it's a really important point. As some workplaces are not psychologically safe and asking in that context can be detrimental. Sure. Uh, there's no doubt about that. At the other end, you have places like IDEO, which goes, they've worked really hard to build workplaces where it is psychologically safe for people to ask and they have strong norms about doing so. And most people are kind of between those two extremes. And, and when you think about the safety of the workplaces, right. I think there's a number of things you can do. If you do things as a group, if you use one of the, the tools for teams, for example, that you get people to do it in a group, in a small group, where people would start making safe requests. And then that experience slowly over time starts to build psychological safety. Mm -hmm. One thing we found, for example, is that if everyone in the group agrees to make a request, it makes it easier for anyone to make a request. It's like we're all in the same boat. One of the reasons the reciprocity ring works is I know that I'm making a request. It might be hard for me, but I'm going to figure out how to do that. I'm going to use these smart criteria, but I know that everyone else is going to do the same thing and I'll spend most of my time helping other people. And in those circumstances, people feel safer about giving, but sometimes you have to start small. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have to start with a, with a group and use one of the tools uh, to get the process going. But even if it's just those small wins, those small experiments, if you keep doing it over time, you will build a psychologically safe workplace. Do you have any tips on, on what questions we can use as those little experiments, as those, as those little one degree shifts, as we start to create a psychologically safe environment? Is it as simple as you know, asking for something to be printed or maybe to bring a coffee back when someone else is going to get one? Or is there a more structured way to, to start this process? Yeah, there's a number of ways. A couple of informal ones come to mind. So maybe you're riding in the elevator up or down uh, with a colleague to ask that person, so what are you working on today? People are happy to talk about what they're working on, but then to do that listening for what that person might mean, it says, oh, you know, it sounds like, you know, you might need, I just read this article that I think that would be really helpful, would be interested in, would you be interested in reading it? And mm, say, yes, nice. you forward yeah. to it. So that starts, yeah. that kind of starts the interaction, starts the engagement. Right. The other is to do it yourself and say, to strike up a conversation with someone and say, hey, I'm working on this project and um, I had an idea and I was wondering if I could run it by you. So that's pretty oh, safe. Nice. Yeah, I like uh, that. I think if you pick the right colleague to do that with, maybe do it at coffee or at lunch or something. And you start that conversation about the project, what you might need. And invariably, because people want to help, that person will say, hey, you know, I have an idea or, you know, I've got somebody you ought to talk to, or I just read something that I think you'll find helpful. Right. So you can start at either end, listening yeah, to really what like people this. might need yeah. or expressing what you need. Either way, we'll get the, we'll get the ball rolling. 
Right. Yeah. Fantastic. Dr. Baker, time flies on the One Degree Shift podcast. So I'm going to ask you one one last thought, and that's around asking too many questions. Does that exist and in the workplace or otherwise? And, and what can we do to monitor the other side of, of having to ask and being asking too many questions? So I have an assessment in the book that allows someone to rate themselves on a giving dimension, how often or how frequently they give, and then on an asking dimension. And I've done this with lots of executives and I've been able to map them on that two dimensions. Mm-hmm. And what I found is that the most common type is what I call the generous giver. Mm-hmm. That is people who help a lot, but they don't ask very much. Mm-hmm. But every now and then you'll see a number of people who, who do ask too much. Right, um, and I think that it's you can kind of think of it as you want you want to find that middle ground. Mm-hmm. Right? You want to find the middle ground where you know starting this habit that one degree shift over time by asking more for what you need, you get a lot of benefits very early on. Um, but if you ask too much, those benefits might start to decline over time, or you might, which would be even worse, get a reputation as being a taker or someone who's sure. not helping compared to how much you're asking. So I encourage people to be in that middle ground which is to freely and generously help other people without expectations of return whenever you can, and also freely asking for what you need as long as it meets those, those five smart criteria and strive over time for a balance in your giving and your asking. Without too strictly monitoring both giving and asking, correct? Is this an intuitive practice or, or is this something that you, you're more intentionally measuring? Oh, in the, we actually, with one of my, one of my doctoral students, uh, she and I created a scientifically valid assessment okay. um, and we have an online, we have an online version of this as well. Uh, it's a free assessment. If people take that, then they get to see how they compare to the many hundreds or, or thousands of people who have taken this assessment as right. well. And people find that very, very interesting to see not only these are my results, but look, this is how I fit in the kind of the spectrum of other people mm. on those two dimensions. And, and where can we find where can we find this test? Is it available publicly? Yes, if you go to the uh, the website for my book, which is all you have to do is ask dot com. The free assessment is right there. Now, all you have to do is ask. January fourteenth was the release date for those who are listening in. Where can they pick up the book? Uh, you can go to any uh, major uh, bookseller. You can find it on Amazon at that website I just gave you. All you have to do is ask.com. Also list a number of booksellers who handle it if you want to buy it online as well. Dr. Baker, thank you so much for your time. Is there anything else you want to share with us today? I just want to say thank you. It's been a pleasure to be on your show. And if you ever need anything, just ask. Fantastic. Well, now I've got the tools to do so and I can't wait to get started. Thank you so much for your time and uh, all the best with your book. I can't wait to pick one up. My pleasure. Thank you. For more podcasts, show notes, and to connect with our speaker today, visit erictermundi.com. That's E-R-I-C-T-E-R-M-U-E-N-D-E.com. And click the podcast tab. Thanks for listening.